the Holy Spirit. And we learned that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is another helper. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit lives with us and in us. In week two, we talked about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. All of this from John 14 through 16. And we said that the Holy Spirit teaches, he reminds, he provides, he convicts, and he guides. And then the last time we were together, first Sunday in May as we were in this series, we looked at the day of Pentecost and what happened when the Holy Spirit came. And we said that when the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit was combined with the power of the Holy Spirit, everything changed. And we learned that day that the power of the Holy Spirit abides with us and in us for one reason, to be his witnesses. And we saw this group of ragtag men and women who were set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit And we saw them go out and they began to demonstrate a change. And they were obedient and dependent and consistent and confident. They made disciples. They taught. They baptized. They went into all the world preaching the gospel. All because the parakletos, the comforter, the advocate, the friend. One who is uniquely gifted to come alongside another and assist had empowered them to do so. Well, today we get to the gifts of the Spirit. And, and if you'll go back to that slide, I, I thought about this as I was looking, about, looking at this yesterday. When we look at that definition of who the Holy Spirit is, if you'll go back one slide, it says He is uniquely gifted to come alongside of us. And so since the Holy Spirit is uniquely gifted, He imparts to us, all of us, spiritual gifts for a Purpose. And this is our key thought I want you to walk away with today. Simply this spiritual gifts are divinely distributed to build up the church and bring glory to Christ. Can I get an amen, nine o'clock? Will you say that with me this morning? Spiritual gifts are divinely distributed to build up the church and bring glory to Christ. Today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts from Three aspects. First of all, we're going to talk about the biblical foundation for spiritual gifts. Then we're going to talk about biblical categories of spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about biblical instructions on spiritual gifts. Now, I know when I look across this congregation, our church family today, we come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Some of you have experienced all of the spiritual gifts in multiple ways in your life in the church. Some of you come from Catholic, Methodist, non-denom, Baptist backgrounds, and you were taught a different thing about spiritual gifts. So today, what I want to do is what we've been doing throughout this series. We don't want to lean into doctrine or tradition. We want to lean into the Word today, okay, and say, what does God's Word say about spiritual gifts? Because it's very clear. But before we dive into this, I want you to understand That most denominations, all denominations or churches, they come at spiritual gifts from one or two aspects. And these are big words for 9 o'clock, okay? But I think you can wrap your brain around them. They're either cessationist or continuist. The cessationists believe that spiritual gifts ceased with the early church. 
The continuists believe that spiritual gifts are still in operation today. As a Pentecostal spirit-filled church, I want to tell you, Rinkin Church of God is a continuous church. We believe that spiritual gifts are still in operation today. In his book, Fresh Air, Chris Hodges said this. He said, many people today have doctrinal beliefs, but not biblical beliefs. Some have been told that the Holy Spirit does not operate today like he did as recorded in the Bible. Some believe that the Spirit's presence was a one-time limited engagement for the early church and that he's either unavailable or unnecessary for believers today. But, say this with me, the Bible never says that. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. So let me poll the room this morning. How many of you will raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've seen spiritual gifts at work. I've seen people be healed. I've seen miracles take place. I've had somebody speak a word of wisdom or knowledge over my life, and I've seen it be fulfilled as it was spoken. All over this room, we just raised our hands saying, we know and we've seen spiritual gifts in operation. I had this thought, and I wonder today, is it possible that the reason why we are seeing denominations, look right here, please, don't miss this point, the reason why we are seeing entire denominations and churches move away from the authority of what God's Word says about major and pivotal issues is because the gifts of the Spirit are not at work in those churches. When you remove the word of God and you remove the spirit of God, you also remove the spiritual gift of discernment. The spiritual gift of wisdom and knowledge. And we have entire denominations walking away from what God's word clearly says. And I want to submit to you today, it's because the lack of operation of spiritual gifts within that body. And because they've said, no, we're cessationists. We believe it died out. Well, my goodness, your church is dying out now. You need the power of the Holy Spirit inside your church. Amen. So let's talk about where do we find the biblical foundation for spiritual gifts. We find it primarily in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We're going to look at some other passages this morning. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking to a church just like I'm talking to you. He's talking to a church in the city of Corinth in one of the most godless places of all time. And they're dealing with all types of issues in their church. And they're also dealing with a mismanagement of spiritual gifts. And he comes along and he says to them in chapter 12, here are some instructions on spiritual gifts. Then he lists the spiritual gifts. And then he gives this analogy of how the body and spiritual gifts are very similar. Then he makes this transition where he, he says, you know, all these spiritual gifts you've seen, but the greatest thing we can all pursue is love. And we have what we know as the love chapter. And in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, he tells us here is a more excellent 
way. And yeah, we, we quote the love chapter when it comes to weddings and, and when it comes to uh, things with our marriages. And we go by the love chapter scriptures over at Hobby Lobby. And yeah, that all fits. But the love chapter, love is patient and kind and all these different things. And the greatest of these is uh, love. It comes as the meat in a sandwich in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 to say, if we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts cannot operate outside of love. Very key that we understand the context. And then you get to chapter 14, and then Paul gives us some specific instructions on tongues, and we're going to talk about that today, how the gift of tongues should work in the church and how order should happen in church. So that's where we find uh, the biblical foundation. Well, what about the gifts. What are the biblical categories of spiritual gifts? Well, there's three categories of spiritual gifts. There are office gifts, there are manifestation gifts, and there are ministry gifts. So let's look at the office gifts first. We see those described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what it says, God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then, everybody say then, then comes the miracles, helping, guidance, and tongues. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, For Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the office gifts. Why are these men and women put in place? Why? To equip his people for works of what? Service. So that the body of Christ may be what? Build up. That's what we're doing right now, building up the body. Until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become what? That's our goal, church, to be mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So let's look at the office gifts. We have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. An apostle is someone who over, has oversight to many churches and multiple wide range of ministries. In the New Testament, James was, a, was an apostle. Today, we would look at our denominational leaders in the church of God who, uh, who serve us in a state level or a national level who have leadership over multiple churches. Then there's the prophet. The prophet is the office that expounds biblical truth and shares messages of revival and repentance and restoration to gatherings of Christians in more than one location. In the, in the New Testament, that would have been Paul. Today, somebody like David Jeremiah would be considered a prophet. Then you've got the evangelist, the office whose primary purpose is to proclaim the gospel message of salvation through Jesus to unbelievers in any setting. In the New Testament, that was Philip. Today, we would say that would be Franklin Graham following in his dad's footsteps, right? And then there's the pastor and the teacher, and you know how the pastor and the teacher function. So those are the office gifts. Then we get the manifestation gifts. We see those in 1 Corinthians 12. We read those a moment ago. And Paul said, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So when we break that down, the manifestation gifts show up in three categories. The knowing revelation gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Then we have the power gifts, faith, 
healing, working of miracles. And then we have the speaking or inspiration gifts of prophecy, tongues, or interpretation of tongues. I have experienced, I guess, all of those at some point in time in my life as being a part of a Pentecostal church my entire life. I've seen those in operation in multiple ways. And I can tell you that uh, those gifts are real. And when they work in operation, they're powerful. I'll never forget the first time anybody ever gave me a word of knowledge. And that happened when I was a very young youth and music pastor living in northern Kentucky. We had six kids on the bus along with six adults. We were taken to Winterfest, which was a big event that the Church of God put on. And I remember being so discouraged. It was my first church. I'd been in ministry only about six months. Trust and I had been married just a few weeks at the time. And we're pulling up, Ryan, at Winterfest. And you went on those trips with us. And we're pulling up to our first trip of Winterfest with one 15-passenger van that's not even full. And I felt like I wasn't much of a youth pastor, man, with just six kids and six adults. And I thought, man, look at all these other big guys walking around with, with their two buses and their five, 12 passenger van, 15 passenger vans. And I kind of wrestled with that. And we got into that service, that, that Saturday night service. And I can tell you that Saturday night, 1996, May, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, one of the most powerful moves of God I've ever been in in my life as the preacher didn't even get to preach that night. Campus choir was ministering under the power of the Holy Spirit. Students just began to come to the altars and pray and seek God in the middle of the worship, in the middle of the service. It was a powerful time of ministry. And, and our six kids were, were praying and we were praying over them. And my wife, God spoke to her and gave her a word of knowledge for me. And she looked at me and she said, Les, I've got a word from God that he wants you to hear. And she said, this is what God wants you to know. Be faithful with the few, and I will multiply you. I needed that word. That was March of 1996. We stayed at that church for six years. It was a small church, a church plant. And in, 20, in 2000, our goal for 2000 was 20 in 2000. We wanted to have 20 kids, Tim, in worship. And if we had an average of 20 or could get 20 at one night, I thought, man, that was our goal. And we worked hard and we invited kids and we had buses going. And I'm going to tell you, before I left Open Door to come here in 2001, God had multiplied us and we were running in the low 20s. Y'all thought I was going to say 800. <laughs> we were running in the low 20s in a church plant where there wasn't even 100 people coming on Sunday morning. If you are faithful with the few, I will multiply you. I look at what God's doing at Rinkin Church of God, and it is a fulfillment of a word of knowledge that was spoken over my life, still true today in 2023. This church has grown. We'll give God praise if you're going to do it. It's not, it's not about me. It's all what he's done. Amen. I ran the numbers last week for our council meeting. This church has grown by 100 people on Sunday mornings over the last year. Praise God for what he's doing in this house. So the manifestation gifts work, and then there's the ministry gifts. We've got the office, the manifestation, the ministry gifts. In Romans 12, Paul says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. 
in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, then give encouraging. Then, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And here's the list of the ministry gifts. Prophecy, serving, helping, hospitality, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, administration, mercy. We could even put uh, music on there as well. It shows up in another verse. And I want to tell you, as I, as I looked at that list, I thought about, you know what? We can't have church here on any given Sunday without these ministry gifts being in operation. When somebody greets you at the door, that is a spiritual gift in operation. When the treasure takes care of your giving, that is a spiritual gift in operation. When you serve in any area, it is a spiritual gift. When you give someone a word of encouragement and you pray for them, that is a spiritual gift in operation. And my goodness, two Sundays ago, we saw it a minute ago, 375 people couldn't be stopped by a rainy, nasty Sunday. Spiritual gifts in operation for us to reach our community. You better believe the Holy Spirit was working in this body two weeks ago for us to see accomplished what was accomplished on the ground here. Amen. Give God praise for that. So you may be asking, how do I discover? If you don't know how to discover your spiritual gifts, we have a, a ministry called the Growth Track. And that happens uh, every Sunday except the summer. We're taking off and it'll be back in August. And you can go through the Growth Track and there's a spiritual gifts test you can take. If maybe you haven't taken one in a while and you're, you've already gone through the growth track or you don't remember what your spiritual gifts tests were, some of you have taken them many times through the years, you know that they change sometimes. The older you get and how life changes. But if you need or would like to take a spiritual gifts test, you don't have to wait for the growth track. See me. I'll get you one. Because I want to not just preach to you about spiritual gifts. I want you to discover what your spiritual gifts are so you can use them in the body. Amen? So... Let's talk about biblical instructions on spiritual gifts. So we've looked at where we find our instruction, what the gifts are, but what does the Bible say about how those gifts should operate? This is super important, y'all. There's five things I want you to see. Number one, spiritual gifts bring glory to Jesus. Let's say that together. Spiritual gifts bring glory to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is, is Lord except by the what, church? The Holy Spirit. The gifts, the manifestations, the workings of the Spirit, if genuine, will always point to Christ. The office gifts, the manifestation gifts, the ministry gifts, when in operation, will always bring glory to Jesus not the person with the gift. If there is someone and they seem that the gift that they're operating in is all about them, then you need to run and hide, honey. Because the gift shouldn't point to a person. The gift should point to Jesus. And yes, we're a spirit-filled Pentecostal church, but we must not become a Christ-less 
Pentecostal church. And there are Christless Pentecostal churches in our nation where the gifts or demonstration of the Spirit take precedent over what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I can't even get to the Holy Spirit unless I understand what Jesus has done for me on the cross. Amen. Romans 8, 9 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus are not competing. They are working in harmony together. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. When the advocate, the parakletos, comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he says this, he will testify about what? Me. The ultimate goal of being used by the Holy Spirit is to point God direct influence people toward Jesus. Jesus said in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what's yet to come. Here it comes. He will glorify who? Me, Jesus says, because it's from me that he'll receive what he will make known to you. Spiritual gifts, our key point for the day, are divinely distributed to build up the church and what? Bring glory to Christ. So spiritual gifts, first of all, bring glory to Christ. Secondly, spiritual gifts are diverse, but from the same spirit. Let's say that together. Spiritual gifts are diverse, but from the same spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 starts off and says, there are different kinds of gifts. Well, this just makes sense because anybody know that there's different kinds of people? There's nobody like you. That's a good thing. We're all different. We all come with different experiences. And so it would make sense that the gifts of the Spirit would be different, that they would be distinct, that they would be varied. Paul goes on to say there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, he says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the what? Same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. You see in a pattern here? To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And then he lists them all. And go to the next slide, verse 11. He says, all these are the work of one and the what? Same Spirit. And he, the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as he determines. We're talking today about spiritual what? Gifts. Gifts cannot be earned. They can't be requested. It's a contradiction in term to say that I can actually ask for a specific spiritual gift. Because a gift by definition is a gift. You don't ask for a gift, right? And, and actually the Greek word there that's used... In 1 Corinthians 12, 4, look at this, is the word charisma. It's where we get this idea and this term that's a very broad term, sometimes not in the best light, but charismatic churches. But that word, that Greek word charisma actually just means an unmerited gift that God gives to those he loves. It's the same word when Paul's talking about gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 as when he's talking about grace in Romans 6 when he says the wages of sin is death but the 
gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the Spirit gives those gifts. They're diverse gifts, but they all come from the Holy Spirit. And the goal is to build up believers with those gifts of grace, his unmerited favor. And this is so important because when we understand that we can't earn them or even pray for specific gifts... And I'll talk in a minute about how do we even pursue the gifts. If you're a pastor, you're telling me I can't even pray for a specific gift. We're going we're to clear that up here in a few minutes. But what this does, it eliminates posturing or competing or proud displays that somebody can say, well, my gift is better than your gift. Because we see that in Pentecostal spirit-filled churches, don't we? We see it and we even feel it because we're like, well, if I don't have the gift of tongues, then I'm not as spiritual as somebody else. But you're over there serving and giving and and your gifts are being administered in another way. The gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. They're diverse, but they're from the same Spirit. So spiritual gifts bring glory to Jesus. Spiritual gifts are diverse, but from the same spirit. The third thing I want you to see is that spiritual gifts are given to benefit the whole church. Everybody say the whole church. First Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can what? Help each other. That's the reason why the gifts are given. And I'm going to tell you, I believe that one of the reasons why our church is growing numerically and spiritually and financially is because so many people in the house have discovered their gifts and are operating in their gifts. And when that happens, the whole church benefits. When we're all When we all have our hands on the plow and we're all doing what God's called us to do, it's not just 20% of the people are doing all the work. We're much greater over that number right now. And that's why this church is growing. It's because there's not 14 people doing all the work. 14 people can't pull off three services on Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday Fun Day and Love Your City Sunday and impact our community. We are seeing what we're seeing because... The spiritual gifts that are in the house, teaching, giving, encouragement, hospitality, mercy, faith, and leadership are benefiting the whole church. But Paul specifically talks about the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues here because oftentimes there's a lot of confusion when it comes to tongues and interpretation of tongues. That's one of the ones that even when we say it, some of you are getting tense. And the reason why Paul's talking about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 is because there were some things that were going on that needed to be clarified. Now, I want you to understand that these spiritual gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues are different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place on the day of Pentecost. What we see on the day of Pentecost is that we talked about it. We go back to the last message we preached is that they were filled with the power, and as a result, they spoke in other languages, and this power came on them to be his witnesses. So let's say it like this. Speaking in tongues in times of personal prayer or worship is for your edification. When you pray or you you, uh, speak in tongues as you're praying or singing, maybe you're even in this body, 
And you're quietly in your personal time with God singing or praying in another language as he gives you the utterance and the direction to do that. That is for personal edification. But then there's times when the gifts operate, the specific spiritual gift of tongues and interpretation when the room quiets and one person is speaking in another language and another person gives an interpretation of that. I told you a while ago, I, I, and many of you have been in services where you've seen that happen. And it's one of the most powerful and, and, and spiritual, super spiritual things I've ever been a part of, especially when you're in a service and the worship is going in one direction and, and the, the preaching's going in one direction and you hear a message in tongues and interpretation that perfectly fits with what's going on in the room. You can't manufacture that type of stuff and it, and it not be real. I've seen it happen. And, and when we see that happen, we are seeing the operation of the gifts be in the right place where personal tongues is for your edification. But when it comes up in the room, it's for the edification of the corporate body. See, Paul uses this analogy of the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And when you read, again, I tell you guys this all the time, and, I, and you're getting it. You can't read Scripture out of context. You have to understand why it's said in the place that it's said. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives this whole example about the body, okay? And he, and he begins to just give this example about the body. Look at this. And he just starts talking about the different parts of the human body. And he says, you know, you've got all these different parts of your human body, but all of those parts work together for you to function as a human being, right? And one of, when one of your parts that you think is not important, when it gets hurt, you drop a barbell on your big toe that you don't ever think about, you're going to think about it for the next week, right? Because all the parts are interconnected. And Paul says, just because we think one part is better than another, they're not. They all work together. And then he gives a very interesting illustration that fits perfectly with what we're talking about that many times we've missed when it comes to tongues and interpretation of tongues. In his discussion about the human body, he says there's parts of our body that are private, that are covered up because of the nature of that part of our body, right? Okay? That's why I have that type of graphic up there. I had to go through a lot of them to find one I could put up on the screen and not get fired for and make you or me uncomfortable with. And so Paul says, okay, like with tongues and interpretation, church at Corinth, there's a certain way that those things should operate so that they benefit and bless the whole body and there's not confusion in that. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, he says, so it's with you. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit. He says, okay, you guys want to operate in the gifts. He says, try to excel in those that build up the church. Now, he doesn't say don't speak in tongues, but he's saying, listen, y'all are probably too focused on tongues and interpretation, and if that doesn't work correctly, it does not build up the church. It just brings confusion. Anybody been in a service like that? Okay. See, no spiritual gift is given for show or for attraction to any individual. When the Spirit works through individuals, he must never be, his work must never be separated from the life of the local church. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, Paul says, let's summarize. When you meet together, watch this. How practical is this? One will sing, 
Another will teach. Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must be done to strengthen what? All of you. Which brings back our point for the day. Spiritual gifts are divinely distributed to build up the church and bring glory to Christ. Here's the fourth point I want you to see today. Spiritual gifts are to operate in order and under submission of spiritual authority. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says this. For God is not a God of disorder, but of what? Peace. As in all the congregations. So there should be order in all the congregations, Paul says. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Those of you who have been coming here for a church, to, to church for a while, have you noticed that we do things in a certain order every week? You kind of know what to expect, right, when you come in. You know there's going to be a five-minute countdown and a video announcement that, that uh, a lot of you are still fellowshipping in, and it's there, and, and sometimes you check it out, and sometimes you don't. And then the lights are going to come up, and there's going to be an opening song. It's a fast song to wake us up and get us going, and then somebody's going to come up and welcome us and, and read Scripture, and then we're going to have three or four more songs, and then we're going to transition to the message, and then I'm going to preach way too long. You don't have to say amen. And then we're going to come together and respond, and we're going to be out of here. You kind of know how the service flows, right? That's because we operate in order. Is that putting the Holy Spirit in a box? No, because you know what's happened before we got here? The worship team has been praying. The worship leader has been praying and asking God to lead them to what they should sing for that Sunday. Before I get here, I spent uh, six, seven months ago a week by myself out in the woods praying and seeking God for what he wants me to preach this year. And so far, everything that we've preached has been what God laid on my heart last fall to preach. See, God is already in our future, so he knows what we need to hear when we need to hear it. And then the Holy Spirit knows when we need to turn in a different direction. So there's a series that I was going to begin the week after Father's Day. And I'm not going to begin that series now. I've put that on the shelf. The Lord's led me to, to preach another series. And uh, you'll be hearing about that in a few weeks. But then there's another series I'm, I'm thinking about for, the, for August and the fall that I believe the Lord led me to way back in October of last year. See, the Holy Spirit can work now in this moment. And He can work in, in this moment for the future. You see what I'm saying? So everything's done in an, in an orderly way. But Paul addresses this idea of order because some of the spiritual gifts were operating out of order. Specifically, again, this gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And so Paul addressed it specifically. He says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three should speak. One at a time, and someone must interpret. And if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and should speak to himself and to God. See, the problem in the church at Corinth is the problem that we have in some of our churches today, and that is spiritual gifts do not operate in order. And we said this a moment ago that 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. There are things and customs that we've seen in the church. And I, and, I, and I 
hope that in 2023, we're getting away from some of this stuff. But there are things that some of you grew up in and you experienced and you saw that are not in this book. Where does it say in this book to line up a group of people and slam them over the head with a Bible? Where does it say in this book for a preacher to take oil and sling it out all over a crowd of people? Where does it say in this book for a preacher to blow and mass amounts of people fall out? It's not in the book. I'll even tell you, and and I'll get some emails and some conversations about this, I'm sure. And if I'm wrong, I am so open to you showing me where I missed it. But there is not a biblical precedent that I can find for a man or woman of God to stand in the pulpit and ask a group of people to say, okay, at this time, let's pray or sing in tongues. See, when the gift of the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2-4, it says they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Not as a man stood up and said, okay, it's time for everybody to speak in tongues. I don't know about you, but, but the prayer language that I have, I can't just flip a switch and cut it on and off. Now, maybe I'm, I'm missing something. But there's not a biblical precedent for some of the things that we've, we've seen. And sometimes these demonstrations can be, given, can be driven more by the flesh than the spirit. And what happens is people leave discouraged, they leave uh, confused, and they leave with misunderstanding. And entire denominations have said, we shut the door on the book of 1 Corinthians because of this abuse. But what does Paul say? God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. That's why it is so important that you stay in the word so that you can operate with the spiritual gift of discernment to know if what you're hearing is true or not. I love what Pastor Loran Livingston of Charlotte Central Church of God said. He said it like this. Spirituality is not separated from the Bible. His voice will always line up with Scripture. The Scripture tells us to test the spirits and see if what's going on is in line with the Word of God. It's the Scriptures you better know because people can miss it. Men of God who, are, who mean well, they can get in the flesh and miss it. I can tell you there have been times I've missed it. But that's why it's important that spiritual gifts operate in order. And he also says under submission to spiritual authority. Verse 28, when we get the list of spiritual gifts, he says, God's placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, teachers, then those other gifts. Ephesians 4, he says, we read it a moment ago, Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do what? To build people up. So that means that in a service setting, that if something's going on, that uh, whatever's going on, that whoever is leading the service, everybody who's in that service is under the spiritual authority of that person who's in that service, who's leading that service. That's a heavy responsibility for me to make sure I get it right. I remember Brother Jimmy, I was, a, I was a student at Lee College back in 1994. There was a preacher who was preaching on the stage one, one night. It was a convocation, revival service. He was preaching an, an incredible message. And all of a sudden in the balcony, there was somebody over here on the side, a man, young man who stood up and started giving a message in tongues. And I'd never seen this before. The preacher turned and looked at him and he said, stop 
sit down. That message is not for right now. You could have heard a pin drop in that room. We were all super uncomfortable, but we all knew he had done the right thing. Because what this man was doing, see, God, this isn't complicated, y'all. God doesn't speak on top of himself. Why, if the word is going forth, does God need to interrupt himself? God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, right? And I learned something that night, and I, I was like, I don't ever want, I, I'll tell you, I don't really want to be in another service like that, because you talk about feeling, woo, that, that was, but it was right. It was in order for him to do what he did. And so that's why, you know, th there's times where, and those of you who have been to Church of God Youth Camp, you know what I'm talking about? There's times at Church of God Youth Camp where kids would just be laying in the altar for hours and they're just, they're just kind of caught up in the emotionalism and, and everybody's prayed. And, and, and I, I remember as a youth pastor, I thought, this is the most ungodly thing I can possibly do to say, come on, man, let's go. It's time to go get a cold drink. Come on. We've been here praying for hours. You know, you've got all you can get. But sometimes you just have to say, okay, God has done his work and we, and we use wisdom, and, and we operate in the gifts of, of, of wisdom and discernment. Is this helping anybody this morning? I hope so. So let's finish up with the last point, point five. We've said spiritual gifts bring glory to Jesus. Spiritual gifts are diverse, but from the same spirit. Spiritual gifts are given to benefit the whole church, and spiritual gifts are to operate in order. Number five, no one person receives all the gifts and no single gift is given to everyone. Especially the gift of spelling. And y'all know me. It's killing me right now that there's a misspelled word on the screen. So this is what the scripture says. Is, is everyone an apostle? Of course not. Is everyone a preacher? No. Are all teachers? Does everyone have the power to do miracles? Can everyone heal the sick? Of course not. Does God give all of us the ability to speak in tongues we've never learned? Can just anyone understand and translate what they're saying who've been given that gift of speech? So no one person receives all the spiritual gifts and no single gift is given to everyone. Why? Because God likes variety. He wants us to depend on each other. And if someone received all the gifts, that person would not need anyone else. If everybody had uh, one gift, then we wouldn't need each other as much. Again, spiritual gifts are divinely distributed to do what? To build up the church and bring glory to Christ. Trust if you'll send Kevin in to play. I want us to say that together as we come to a close again. Spiritual gifts are divinely distributed to build up the church and bring glory to Christ. So let's close with this thought. You see this glove? This glove has no life in it. It's dead. This glove is useless. This glove can't open a door it can't shake somebody's hand it can't build a fence it can't serve a plate of food it can't change a diaper in the nursery this glove can't lead children in Kid City on Sunday or Wednesday night 
This glove is incapable of reading the Word or preaching the Word or holding a microphone and singing or turning the knobs on the live stream or the buttons in the back. This glove is useless. It can do nothing unless something goes in it and takes over. But now this glove can open a door. This glove can shake your hand, Kevin. This glove can put its hand on your shoulder, Jim, and pray for you. Now this glove can serve a plate of food or build a fence on Love Your City Sunday. Now this glove can change a diaper, and what a good time to have a glove on, right? This glove can now help to administer children's ministry. This glove can now turn the pages of Scripture, hold a microphone, turn the keys, sit at a computer. Why? Because what was dead and lifeless now has been filled. The difference is what came on the inside and filled the glove. And as that glove begins to work and do all of those things, nobody says, wow, look at the glove. Because it's not the glove doing the serving and the working and the preaching and the loving and the praying. It's what got on the inside of the glove that activated the glove that changed everything. The glove wasn't useful until something got on the inside and took over. That's everything we've talked about today. That's what spiritual gifts are, guys. At times, they can be very confusing. At times, we scratch our head and say, what, what did he just say about tongues and all that? I mean, does he even believe in tongues after everything he just said? Absolutely. No matter the spiritual gift that you have, your gift is dead until you open up yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come in and take over and be alive inside of me. So I want to ask you three questions this morning as we get ready to close. Has the Holy Spirit moved inside and taken over your life? Secondly, have you discovered your spiritual gift? And lastly, are you using your gifts to build up the church and bring glory to Christ? That's so important because what have we said all morning? Spiritual gifts are divinely distributed to build up the church, look at this, and bring glory to Christ. God gives us divine gifts. God gives divine gifts to you so he can bless others through you. So let's stand together this morning. And I want us to spend time together praying as the worship team comes in and we get ready to to finish this time of worship together and time in the Word together. So Blake, if you'll put those questions back up one more time. This is what we want to come and ask ourselves today, this morning. Has the Holy Spirit moved in on the inside and taken over your life? Let's start right there. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then 
you still have spiritual gifts that God wants to give you, but until you commit your life fully to Jesus, those gifts can't be in operation. First of all, you got to get Jesus on the inside. So I wonder if there's anybody here today who would say, Pastor, the first thing I need to do is I need to recommit or commit my life to Christ. Would anybody raise their hand and say, Pastor, that's me today. Would you pray for me? I I need to commit my life to Jesus first. Thank you. Anybody else today? Thank you. Anybody else today? I I need to commit my life to Jesus first. I'm interested in what you're talking about, but I need that commitment. Maybe you need to recommit today. Anybody just, you're, you're kind of walking away from your faith. You've not been right behind them like we've been talking about in this series, and you need to recommit today. Anybody need to recommit? I, I, I see several hands up this morning. Can we bow our heads today, and before we pray to be filled with the Spirit, I want to pray for those who raise their hands today, and I want to ask you to repeat this simple prayer with me today. This prayer is sometimes called the sinner's prayer, but it is based on the Word. It's based on what Romans tells us is the foundation for how we pray. And as you pray this prayer today, you're inviting Jesus to come in and be the Lord of your life and to transform your life. I'd like for all of us together to pray this prayer today. Let's pray together. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins forgive me I believe that Jesus Christ is your son I believe that he took my sins to the cross I believe that he died in my place I believe you raised him to life I'd like to trust him now as my savior and follow him now as my lord from this day forward I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise today for what He's done? Praise the Lord. I want to invite everybody who will to to take a step out. I want us to join together in prayer as a church family up front. As you're coming, let's sing this song together today. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. Everybody that can, would you come and let's pray. There's nothing worth more. That will ever come close. Come on, everybody, as close as you can.
back and sing that here in just a second. But Blake, if you'll put up on the screen that last slide. Here's what I want us to pray together. I want to lead you in this prayer today. Holy Spirit, move in on the inside and take over my life. Holy Spirit, help me discover my spiritual gifts. And Holy Spirit, empower me to use my gifts to build your church and to bring glory to Christ. Now, you said a while ago, somebody's like, I thought you said we couldn't, we're not supposed to pray for spiritual gifts, no. We're not supposed to pray, the scripture says, for specific gifts. Because a gift is a gift. It's a, it's a gift of grace. So he distributes them as he sees fit. So what this prayer does, it puts me in alignment with him to say, whatever gift you have for me, I want to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Anybody want to do that? Walk in the fullness of the Spirit of what God has for you so that your gifts can be in operation. Many of you are already doing that. Some of you, there's more gifts that are there that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. So right now, can we pray this first prayer together today? Will you pray this over your own life today? Holy Spirit, I ask you to move in on the inside and take over my life. Just like that illustration with the glove today, Lord, we don't want to be an empty vessel, but we want to be full of you so that as we are full of your Spirit, we can operate in the gifts that you have ordained for us. Holy Spirit, come in on the inside and take over our lives. I pray today, Lord, that you would help us discover our spiritual gifts. Ask Him right now, church, if you don't know what your gift is, say, Lord, show me my gift. Reveal to me my spiritual gift. Lord, today I pray for your people and for this body, God. You know the gifts, Holy Spirit, that you have distributed to this body and to these people. And I pray that you would help them to understand and to see that gift reveal to them what their spiritual gifts are and finally Lord we pray this prayer together let's pray this final prayer Lord Holy Spirit empower me to use my gifts and to build your church to bring glory to Christ repeat after me church Holy Spirit empower me to use my gifts to build your church and bring glory to Christ let's say it again Holy Spirit Empower us to use our gifts to build your church and to bring glory to Christ. Do it, Holy Spirit. Fill us fresh and anew that we can walk in the power of the Spirit, that we can be empowered to reach this generation, to reach our community, that we'll flow in the gifts that you've given us and you'll receive all the glory for it, we pray. All the glory for it, we pray. Come on, let's sing. Let us become more aware. This is lyrics to what we just said. more aware of your Make that your prayer today, church. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your
If you're married, take the hand of your spouse if you're standing by them. And I want you to pray right now, Holy Spirit, fill my marriage. Come on, Holy Spirit, begin to pray for your spouse. Holy Spirit, fill my wife. Holy Spirit, fill my husband. Holy Spirit, fill my house. Begin to call out the names of your children. Holy Spirit, fill my house. Holy Spirit, fill the house of my grandchildren. Come on, start calling out for the Holy Spirit to fill your house, to fill your marriage, to fill your life as a father, your life as a mother. Fill us up, Holy Spirit, that, God, we sense your presence not just in this room, but in the bedroom and in the living room and in the bathroom and on the front porch and the back porch and in the car and in the bedrooms when we're praying with our children at night and when they're going through the ups and the downs of life and when they're walking through the fire, the Holy Spirit, you're not just contained to this house, but that you walk with us. Let us become aware of your presence in all those places. We begin to pray over your work environment right now. Holy Spirit, fill my work environment. Fill me that I can walk into my job and I can be salt and light. I can be a difference maker. Holy Spirit, fill me that I'll be a difference maker in my community, in my neighborhood, with my neighbors, with every person that I encounter. Holy Spirit, we want to be full of you so that you can use us to bring glory to Christ and build your church. Thank you for your word today. May it go and may it grow in us. And bring us back here Wednesday night. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God praise for what he's done here today, church. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you back here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Family Ministries night, Monday night prayer, 6.30. Have a great afternoon.
does sound amazing. Perfect. Got my jitters out. Let's go. Lord, thank you for the light. Thank you for the light shining from the inside. The light of Christ. You're the lamp, you're the light, you're the cloud that guides me. You're the way, you're the truth, you're the life inside me. You conquer my fears, so I leave it all behind. And I'm running to the light. You're the lamp, you're the light, the cloud that guides me. You're the way, you're the truth, you're the life inside me. You conquered my fears, so I leave it all behind. And I'm running to the
Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. Are you a first-time guest, or are you looking for a home church? We can't wait to get to know you a little better. Fill out a connect card at rcog.tv forward slash new, or look to a seat near you to pick up a paper copy. Turn it into a volunteer and receive your free gift bag for the worship center lobby right after service is over. See a volunteer for questions or assistance. 